Hey guys, welcome to Calvary HSM. We are a place where we want to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. So we hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, give it up for Friday Night Lights. Have you guys been coming to Friday Night Lights and having so much fun? Yes. If you haven't been, guys, this is our very last Friday of Friday Night Lights. Um, Hi, for those of you who I haven't met before, my name is Sophia. I am the Associate Director of High School Ministry and so, so happy to be with you guys today. I feel like at this point, maybe we're all acquainted, but you never know. There's probably some new people in the room. So if you're new to HSM, welcome. We are so happy that you're here. We have actually been in the midst of a six-week series um, that is called our Calvary's Core Series. So As a church, now some of you guys go to different churches on Sunday mornings, but maybe come to HSM in the evenings, or you go to small groups and you go to another church or whatever it may be, but we as Calvary Community Church would hope that these values would not just embody our church, but that they would embody the, what we call the big C church, the body of Christ, Um, because we have not limited these values to just Calvary specific things, but these are just Jesus specific things. So uh, this series has been about, we can turn your attention to that wall. It's all about Jesus is our very first Calvary core value we have in the back there. Life change happens in relationships. God's people delight in God's word. Save people. Serve people. Yes, you guys. Um, Found people. Find people. Sweet. And then the very last one that we're talking about today, everybody say it together. Grateful people are giving people. And so I have the privilege of wrapping up this series today with HSM. Uh, But let me pray for us and then we will uh, get off to the races. So Father, we just thank you so much for this evening, Lord. Thank you that you are matchless in every way, Lord. We love you. We don't want anything without you, Jesus. It is all about you. Our lives are just the center of our universe is you. And so we just praise you, God. Let every word that comes out of my mouth be fruitful today, God, that it would be good seed falling on fertile ground. We pray all these things in the matchless and holy name of our King, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, so like I said before, we're talking about grateful people being giving people. Grateful people are giving people. Um, but In order to start talking about giving, like I wanna just take down everyone's tone in the room. Maybe you think this is gonna be all about tithing. It's not. Tithing's a part of giving, but we are not primarily talking about giving financially today. Also, I'm so sorry, but my earring is like hitting this little mic thing, so that's what the clicking is, and it's noticeable for all of us. Um, But we're gonna talk about giving and what it looks like um, to give and what it means to give and what compels us to give, what drives us into giving. We're going to look at all sorts of different things, but we got to start first with what giving actually does to us. So first point of the night is what we give will always cost us something. So in giving, when it comes to giving, giving always costs us something. So whether you're giving of your reputation your resources, or your time, giving is always going to cost you something. We're about to dive into the book of John where there's a story about a Mary, Mary, a woman named Mary um, who does something and gives of something incredibly priceless, uh, but she gives it to Jesus. And so we're gonna talk about that in just a second, but let's talk a little bit about uh, this reputation, resources, and time. And I'm so sorry I don't have a word that starts with R that represents time, so it's all cute and alliterative. It's just reputation, resources, and time. So when you give, you are going 
to give of your reputation. Have you guys ever done something that is lame, according to the rest of the world, but in Christianity, it's like, woo, like big celebration? Yeah, we've all experienced that at some point or another. Have you ever given some of your resources, whether that's financial or the talents that God's put on the inside of you? That could be artistry, that could be um, a business mindset, that could be a talent of sorts, whatever it may be. Or have you ever given, this is a big one, of your time? Giving of your time, nothing in return, right? When we go to work, we don't just give our time at work. We go, I'll give you this time if you pay me, right? That's why it's a job. But in Christianity, we look at giving as a service and we give of ourselves freely. And so we're about to read this story of Mary who not only gave of her reputation, but she gave of her resources and of her time. So if you have a Bible with you, we're going to go to John chapter 12. We're going to start in verse one. You can pull out your phone you can get your iPad. You can just look on the screen because we very conveniently put it there. Um, but John chapter 12 verse one says, well, actually, let me set the scene really quick. Who's ever heard of a guy named Lazarus? Yeah, hands all over the room. It's also very bright, so I can't see. So maybe just be like, woo, have you ever heard of Lazarus? Yeah. What, what did Jesus do to Lazarus? Jesus raised Lazarus from the what? From the dead. So Lazarus, poor guy, got sick, died. Four days later, the reason I say it so just blatant like that is because he didn't stay dead. Amen. He didn't stay dead. He raised from the dead. Lazarus, four days after he died, which like, come on, what a flex. He's like, I was dead for four days. That was it. And then he gets back up from the grave. My goodness, literally comes out in like mummy clothes. And you're like, bro, this is insane. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. He looks at the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes forth and literally comes out of the grave, comes back to life and walks basically back into his household. And that's where this story is picking up. It's been like two or three days since Lazarus took his, you know, first breath back here in the land of the living. Um, John chapter 12, verse one says, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany and Bethany is a city uh, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. See, it's all making sense now. So they gave him a dinner, or gave a dinner for him there. Martha, who is Lazarus's sister, Martha served, and this is kind of a funny phrase, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. The Bible's very like, he was just chilling. Lazarus had a rough few days. He's doing just fine. He's reclining at the table with Jesus. And then we get to verse three, and verse three references a lady named Mary. Mary is the sister of Martha and Lazarus. So this is a little sibling trio. We have Martha, we have Lazarus, and we have Mary. Martha's in the kitchen cooking up a storm, trying to prep a meal for Jesus, the son of God, right? You would want to make like your finest recipe of all time, like not just like a Pinterest recipe that you're like, let me test it out. Like you're going to put your best foot forward and give Jesus the best meal that you could possibly offer, right? But Martha's busy in the kitchen. Lazarus seems to just be chilling with Jesus, hanging out with him, because they were friends. Um, and that's why Jesus wept. You know that scripture that says, Jesus wept. Jesus was, that scripture comes from when Jesus shows up to the tomb of Lazarus and sees that his friend is dead. So they were pals. But Mary's doing something so backwards and so against the grain from the rest of the room. Mary is giving. And what is she giving? She's not just giving, right? Because that's what we say nowadays. We're like, oh my gosh, it's giving. She's not just giving. She's not just serving. Mary is giving of something that is priceless to Jesus. Actually, it's not necessarily priceless, but it's of a high, extremely high value. Verse three says, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment 
made from pure nard. I don't know what that is, but I'm guessing it's fragrant and smells good. And anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, this is a funky verse. Just reading this verse straight off the bat, and I'm going to stop there. We're going to pick it up in just a second. But reading this verse off the bat, I also just stepped in something so sticky. Whose gum was on this stage that I just stepped in? Jeez, you guys, house of God. Now I'm like spreading everyone's spit all over the floor. And it's blue, which doesn't help. Um, So Jesus sitting at the table. Can I get a volunteer? Oh my gosh, nobody? Connor, come here. Conswan. All right, Connor, I need you to stand like right here. Can everyone see Connor? Pretty tall guy, right? There he is. I love you too. I'm not going to embarrass Connor necessarily. I'm more so going to embarrass myself. But this is the scene that we're seeing right now. So we've got Jesus. Connor's Jesus in this explanation. We've got Jesus, short-haired Jesus. And Mary, so Martha's in the kitchen like doing her thing. Lazarus is sitting next to Jesus. And Mary is completely just unoccupied with anything else other than she is at the feet of Jesus. (laughs) Hey, she's at the feet of Jesus. She pours out this oil or this ointment or this pure nard. And then while crying, proceeds to wash the feet of Jesus with her hair like this. Okay, now this is a little bit embarrassing, right? Everyone give it up for Connor Swanson. Okay, the gum. Whoever's gum this is, special place for you in heaven. Um, Abraham's bosom. Thank you, Pastor Aaron. Take that. I don't know. Yeah, give it up, Aaron. I don't know how gum went from my shoe to my pant leg, but that's what happened. So let's not forget what we just saw. We see Jesus standing there, sitting there, Mary on her knees, wiping the feet of Jesus with her hair, washing the feet of Jesus with this expensive oil or this expensive ointment. Now, this isn't just like your average like Target perfume that costs like $20. Drew actually told me right before uh, this evening, which shout out Drew Walton's birthday today, yeah. Uh, But Drew was like, do you wanna know how much, basically in a few more scriptures, we'll get there in a second, it says that the ointment was worth 300 denarii. 300 denarii, the equivalent in dollars, in US dollars of 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 300 denarii is 65 grand. Crazy, right? It's a year's worth of wages, basically, for that time in Israel. And he also told me this, that earlier, when you see the feeding of the 5,000, when Jesus breaks the five loaves, two fish, right, and he feeds 5,000 people, the disciples, when they're like, how are we going to feed them all, Jesus? It would have taken 200 denarii to feed the 5,000 people. So just think about the cost of this oil. Not only is Mary... I'm going to use the term wasting very loosely here, but in the eyes of people, it's okay, Gavin, you can pick it up. Um, But not only is she wasting resources at the feet of Jesus, $65,000 worth of perfume at the feet of Jesus, but her reputation, as mine was just exemplified, her reputation was on the line because she 
looks like a freak. She's down on the floor, wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. His feet probably weren't clean because it's the Middle East in zero BC, like no showers, those didn't exist, no baths probably. You probably didn't wash your feet. They didn't have like closed-toed shoes, or maybe they did, I don't know. But for what we can know as of right now is that he was in sandals, his feet are dirty, it's the desert, like his feet are disgusting. She's pouring 65 grand worth of oil at the feet of Jesus And she's also giving of her time because she's not spending time with the rest of the people that are there. She's not rubbing shoulders, even with her brother who was just in the grave. She is fixed on one thing and that thing is Jesus Christ. And so when we give, it's always gonna cost us something. Sometimes we go into a a posture of giving and we forget that it's gonna cost us something. And then when we get there and we release that thing, it's like, oh, that hurt. We get there and we're like, ooh, my reputation, that really sucks. Oh, I went to that worship rally and there were people that were mad at me there. Oh, I went and passed out food for the homeless and somebody thought I looked really lame. Oh, I danced around and looked undignified in worship before Jesus and now all my friends think I'm a loser. Or whatever it may be. We forget that when we give, it actually costs us something. Something comes out of us and goes to the receiver. But when you're giving in Christ, when you're giving in the kingdom, the eternal reward that comes with that gift so far surpasses what you've lost. It so supersedes what you've lost. And so let's keep going in this story and find out more about giving. So remember, it costs your reputation, it'll cost resources, and it'll cost time. Not necessarily all three every single time you give, but one of those three things is coming out of your hands. But what you give doesn't just affect the receiver, it affects everybody around you. Because in verse three, it says the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. That as Mary is pouring out this oil at the feet of Jesus, the whole house starts to smell real good. And so it's almost like when you light a candle, we get to burn, have you ever heard like burn for God, like light me on fire, Jesus. We're like pour out a fire and then he does. And then we start to burn and our life should have a fragrance that comes with it. Not just for the Lord, but for those around us to maybe inspire those around us to say, hey, maybe they're not a loser for dancing like that before the Lord. Maybe they're just so free in Christ that they can actually look undignified to the rest of humanity. Maybe there's something about them giving of their time and their resources and your reputation that actually I should do something like that too. Giving doesn't just affect the single receiver that's getting it, it affects the whole surrounding. Like, let's take special abilities, for example. It's our special needs ministry that literally takes place on the other side of this wall. You've got VIPs is what we call them. VIPs that can't necessarily communicate in the same way that we can. Some of them are nonverbal, some of them are deaf, some of them, you know, we could go down the list of things, but they can't necessarily communicate the way that we would. But to give of ourselves to a ministry like that to help lift up the hands and lift up the hearts of people who just can't communicate, just because they can't communicate like us doesn't mean they can't communicate at all. To give them a space, to give them a space where they can hear the word of God, to give them a space where they can feel the love of God and even maybe express the love of God in a way that we've never done before. That doesn't just affect 
the VIP that you're serving with. That affects all the other VIPs in the room. That affects the parents of the VIPs that get some respite because their day today is with their child and they get to actually go receive and hear the word. The same word their kid is receiving, they get to receive as well. Like, what beautiful synergy is that in giving? That the fragrance of your gift to a ministry like Special Abilities would just wash over the parents and the family and the community that's what giving in Christ looks like. It's, there's reward for everybody involved and even those standing by who get to smell the fragrance and go, why is that person giving that way? There must be something different about them. There must be something different about them. But the interesting part is that sometimes we think when we go into giving that we're never gonna get persecuted or we're never gonna get questioned. Even Mary at the feet of Jesus gets questioned by the one who's gonna betray Jesus, whose name is Judas. You guys hear about Judas? We know about Judas? Judas literally comments in verse four on what Mary is doing. And it says, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples who was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And so Judas is criticizing what Mary's doing because he just doesn't understand. It's going against the grain. He's saying, why don't we just give this money to the poor? But the ironic part is that scripture lets you in on a little secret. And in verse six, it says, he said this, not because he cared about the poor, but be, which is like very exposing, just airing out Judas's dirty laundry, the book of John. It says, he said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge over the money bag, he used to, uh, he used to help himself to what was put into it that day. So Judas was literally gonna rob like if they had given of that oil and they had put that $65,000 and actually exchanged it for, for cash or for denarii or for the coinage or whatever it was that day, he was gonna pocket all of it. And so we often get criticized while we're giving, but it's by people who just don't understand why we're doing what we're doing. And oftentimes it's because the love of God hasn't been shed abroad in their hearts in maybe a way that it has in ours. Because... Giving is always gonna cost you something and to the world, it's never gonna make sense. But as Christians, and I'm not gonna assume everybody in here is a Christian, but if you do call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, we are called to give of ourselves, to give of our lives, to lay our lives down at the feet of Jesus. And it's not gonna be cool and it's not gonna be flashy. And I know we're all like, gonna go on mission trips. I think we find out about mission trips this week, right? Don't we staff? I think we do. Are you guys excited to find out if you're going on a mission trip or not? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I love missions trips and don't get me wrong, I cannot wait. I'm going back to the Dominican Republic and I'm gonna see my little 13 year old bestie Moises. He's there waiting and we write letters to each other and it's the best thing ever. I love that. But that's a like a flashy like, ooh, we're going out of the country. Ooh, there's a beach day. Ooh, this is so much fun. Sometimes giving doesn't look all flashy and fun like a tropical vacation in the Dominican Republic. Sometimes giving looks like you doing your chores when you were asked to by your parents because the Bible says to honor your father and mother. And you guys didn't like that one because I probably wouldn't have liked that one if I was 17, being like chores, 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 but I have homework and I have school. But the Bible says with long life will I satisfy you by honoring your father and mother. It goes against the grain even just talking highly of people like your parents or your teachers. We talked about this at small group for those of you that are in my small group, me and Paulina and Peyton's small group. We talked about this. We talked about serving. We talked about serving teachers as though they're real human beings because guess what? They are. 
And also, oftentimes we look at like Mrs. Thompson and we're like, she's an alien in human skin. There's no way she's a person because she doesn't even treat me like one. But poor thing's probably going through something on the other side and it doesn't look cool to say, hey, Ms. Thompson, would love to know how your day is going. And it's a little convicting and it's like, oh, that cost my reputation. Or that cost my time. I had lunch with one of my teachers. Oh, that cost some of my time. But we're about to find out what God did when he gave Jesus and how much it cost God when he gave Jesus that our gift and our sacrifice and our giving is so small in comparison to what God gave through the life of Jesus. So let's throw up John 3.16. Can anyone just quote me John 3.16 right off the hat right now? Very good. Let's all read it together. For God, say it with me, so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is like Christian knees 101, right? This is like the gospel in one scripture. If you had to boil it down to one scripture, you would probably reference this one. And I used to look over this scripture and be like, man, this scripture is so basic. I want to give, you know, I want to give somebody brand new to the faith, like something like cool that they can grab onto, like something super theologically sound, like that's what I want to do. And the Lord caught my heart on that. And he was like, in this is everything. In this scripture, I'm showing you that Jesus was my prized possession. Jesus laid down his reputation as God to become a man and live fully God in a man's body, to actually be a baby that grew for nine months on the inside of Mary. God made himself microscopic and gave up heaven's throne so that we could be reconciled back to the Father. God gave of his resources, his greatest resource of all time, the one that he loved the most, he gave of Jesus. God didn't just give us sloppy seconds. He didn't just give us an angel and go, here you go, Gabriel, you can get down there and see what it's like. He gave of his only begotten son. Jesus gave of his time. He, he went from being above time to being confined to 33 years, 365 days a year in a man's body. You don't think Jesus scraped his knees as a 10-year-old? That probably sucked. He's like, I can heal myself. But he's walking around with scabbed knees or he's walking around with a tummy ache because Mary made something that wasn't too good. Like, we don't even know the, the lengths that God went through. He didn't just live above the clouds here as a man. He lived like you and me. My dad's brought this up to me before, that Jesus, because you guys know Herod killed all the baby boys that were born around the time Jesus was born. Every kid, every male child that was born between two years and the day he said he decreed it, there was no boys in, the, in Jerusalem because they were all killed within that age range, like 30 to 33. I bet you all the disciples were either two years younger or two years older than Jesus because the rest of the boys in that time were killed. You don't think Jesus was tempted by women? God himself being looked at as like a piece of meat by his own creation? You don't think Jesus was tempted to lie ever? You don't think Jesus was tempted in every way that a man could be? He was. But 
in order for us to understand what it's like to give, we have to look at what God gave and go, my gosh, it just doesn't even matter what it costs me on this side of the earth, on this side of heaven. It doesn't matter what it costs me. It could cost my whole reputation. It could cost my whole, my whole schedule. It could cost all of my resources, but it's never gonna compare to the life of Jesus that was laid down for me. God so loved the world that he gave. Love is what compels us to give. The way we don't burn out in giving, the way that you don't burn out in serving is when you fix your eyes on one prize and that is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And we just introduced that song here in HSM. We're gonna do it again later on tonight because it's just a fire song, number one. But number two, it's because we wanna be a people, we wanna be a high school ministry, we wanna be a church that says, if we don't know anything about healing, if we don't any, know anything about prosperity, if we don't know anything about anything else in this life, there is one thing we want to know and that is who Jesus is and what he did for you and for me. That's what we wanna know. And I know you guys, a lot of you have heard, who, is there anyone in here who has never heard of the cross or the crucifixion of Jesus? And I know it's kind of scary to raise your hand and be bold. We are at a church service, so I'm assuming everybody in here has somewhat of an idea of who Jesus was and what happened. But to the depths of what happened, oftentimes Christians just overlook. We see in like a Catholic church, for example, you would see Jesus on the cross, loincloth, most likely, He's got holes in his, right? He's got nails in his hands, nails in his feet. Maybe they show that his side was ripped open, but the rest of his skin, totally fine. He's got maybe a cut on his face. He's looking down, looking sad, crown of thorns. And that's pretty much it. That's pretty much what we boil it down to. We're like, yeah, Jesus died. But then, woo, three days later, he got up from the dead. Super exciting. And then I guess he's in heaven now. But what does that mean for me? And I say I believe in Jesus, but I got saved when I was five. As far as my testimony is concerned, I got saved when I was five years old. Well, I don't know how I made a decision like that at five years old, but amen, it happened at five years old. But it wasn't until I started to get to know the person of Jesus that I started to understand the depths of what he gave because you cannot understand, or we can only give, excuse me, as much as we know what was given for us, and that is the life of Jesus. We get to give because Jesus gave his life for us and for that we become grateful people. If there is one thing to be grateful for in this life, it is the life of Jesus being laid down for you and being laid down for me. Sometimes we wake up in the morning and there's nothing to be grateful for in the natural. And when I say in the natural, I mean like the things that you can see, the things that you can smell, the things that you can hear. Right, we go to school, a school that we hate, we have friends that we don't like, that have been backstabbing us and we know it, but we don't wanna confront them. And then we see this boy or this girl that we really wanna uh, to have them like us back, but they don't. And then you go to your sport and your coach is mean, and then you go home and your parents are mean, and then all of a sudden, there's nothing to be grateful for. And I know that's not all of our days all of the time, but I can definitely feel that we hit some hard parts in that. But there's often times there's nothing in the natural, there's nothing that we see with our eyes that we want to be grateful for. But if there is one thing, child of God, to be grateful for at all times of day and of night, if there is one thing that you can fix your heart and set your heart on, it was that God so loved you that he deprived heaven of its precious gem and put Jesus on a tree to hang and bleed out and die for you and for me. 
And I don't mean to get gruesome, but this is what it was. You think Jesus had a loincloth on? He didn't. Jesus was exposed naked before all to see to redeem the nakedness that Adam and Eve tried to hide when they walked into sin in the garden that day. When they ate of that tree and they recognized the fact that they had nothing on and they had to clothe themselves and hide themselves and shield themselves from the eyes of God, Jesus said, I'm gonna take it all back. And he hung naked on a cross to be humiliated and spat on and talked at and yelled at and scoffed so that we could stand before the Lord bare in our hearts and say, God, you can have all of me no matter what I've done. God, I give you my whole heart. I give you my whole life. I don't have to hide anything. I don't have to, I don't have to shield myself from you. God, you can have all of me because sin no longer has a grip. Jesus was beaten. His back was opened, said he was flogged. And you don't think there were splinters on that cross? You think it was a smooth beam? I don't think so. I think as Jesus tried to push himself up to breathe, because when you're hung on a cross, you technically die of asphyxiation. That's the medical thing that happens to you when you are hung on a cross, because your shoulders are higher than the rest of your body, or excuse me, your shoulders get elevated, your lungs start to sink, and you die of asphyxiation. Basically, you suffocate. So you have to use the feet that are nailed to that cross to push yourself up to take a deep breath. But by the way, those feet had 12 inch nails driven through them together. He had to push himself up after he was beaten on the whipping post within an inch of his life. They had to dislocate his shoulders to fit the holes of where they had to drive it through his hands. And sometimes doctors try to say that it was through his wrist, but Jesus shows Thomas his hands and says, look at the holes, it's me. Thomas. This isn't a fun part. You ever get like a splinter, right? We all flip out when we get like the tiniest piece of pencil in our finger and Jesus has nails put through his hands and nails put through his feet and they pierce his side and they rip his beard out of his face. We're going to do a little audience interaction moment here. Please grab an arm hair of the person on your right or a head hair, or a leg hair. Really just go for one. I never pictured myself doing this in the future when I was thinking about preaching one day. I want you to yank it, Bella. Come on, Katie. Let's see it. Rip it out. It hurts. All right, all right, all right. Center, center back, center back. We're coming back, we're coming back. We needed to lift the, lift the heaviness a little bit. All right, eyes up here. We're almost done, we're almost done. Eyes up here. But did that hurt? Yes. yes. And where's your friend unmerciful? Yes. yes. The leg hair I think is the worst, but amen, I don't have any leg hair. Praise God, amen. But now I want you to picture that in your face and not just ripped out like, ow, my friend ripped it out, like ripped his beard out of his face. They ripped the beard of Jesus that says that they plucked the, the hair from his face, that they shoved a crown of thorns into his head and then beat him over the head to make sure that that crown was secure. 
It wasn't a light death. It wasn't just, oh, he died. That's really sad. Jesus was beaten to death for you because he knew that it was the joy that was set before him that was going to cause him to endure the cross. And you are that joy. God gave his son for one joy, and that's you. Kaylee, that's you. Bella, that's you. Luca, that's you. Stone, that's you. Right? I don't know all of your names, but I could probably get pretty close with all of you in here. But that was you. You are the joy that was set before Jesus. You are the reason why he endured the pulling of the hair and the crown and the beating on his back the holes in his hands, the holes in his feet, the holes in his side, not to mention every sickness and every sin that'll ever be on this earth and that will ever be committed in time to come was placed on the body of Jesus. You think he kinda likes you? You guys, he's in love with you. He doesn't just tolerate you, he doesn't just put up with you, he is head over heels in love with you and just wants to know you. And he will wait and be patient until we give our hearts. He doesn't forcefully just force us into it. He waits for us to give. So the reason we get to be giving people in this life is because we are grateful for the body and the blood of Jesus that was poured out for us on Calvary. That's why this church is called Calvary. We're acknowledging the hill that Jesus was crucified on. And I was there, I was literally in Israel back in March and I saw it, and now it's become a bus stop. Literally become a bus stop. That people who hate Jesus come and they urinate all over it. The landmark in which Jesus was crucified has now become a porta potty for those who hate him. Because people are gonna persecute you when they don't understand why you're giving what you're giving. But the reason that we give why how we give, the reason we pour out our lives, our reputation, our time, our resources is because we know that he gave so much more than we ever could. We know that his love washes over us like no other love can. Your parents might not ever tell you that they love you, but let me be the first person to tell you that Jesus loves you with an unconditional love that will never be shaken and it'll never move. You might not have people around you that want to lift you up, but you are beautiful and wonderful and kind and intelligent and good with words. You're a good friend, you're a good person. You have been placed, when you said yes to Jesus, you have been given the heart of God. You have good intentions, sometimes we just make mistakes. But God so loved you that he sent and he gave Jesus. And so we get to be grateful people that are giving people to, it doesn't even just have to be ministry, you guys. You could just be giving to anyone around you. That's sharing a lunch with a friend at school. It's sharing your heart with somebody who's weeping, right? It says we, we weep with those who weep. We mourn with those who mourn, right? We rejoice with those who rejoice. In John 15, 13, I don't have this scripture up there, but this is just one that's written on my heart. It says that there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friend. That just doesn't mean just in death. That's laying down your reputation, your resources, and your time. And the only way God expects us to do that is when we fully know how much he gave for us. So the band's gonna come up here, but I wanna show you a picture really quick. Can we put that picture up there? I don't know if it was already shown tonight. 
But this is what I found on Pinterest. Woo, go Pinterest. But this picture captured my heart like probably two, three years ago when it, it came across my feed. And Mary, this lady that we're looking at, it's so interesting. In a few scriptures down, it says, I, or I think this is in a different account. It's not in John. It says that Jesus points out that Mary will always be known for this day. She'll always be known. She'll always be recognized, not for anything that she's ever done. She'll be recognized for this moment right here. That Mary will always be forever known as the one who lost track of time at the feet of Jesus. As the one who recognized what was most important in a room, not distracted by the things of this life or the things of this world, that she had her eyes and her heart fixed on one thing. You know what I love is that she's not even looking at Jesus' face, she's just focused on his feet. The dirtiest part of him. All she wants to look at is the one that she loves and serve the one that she loves and wash him with her tears of gratitude. And I know this might not be what it looked like, but this is the closest thing that we can assume it was like. But to be so captivated with Jesus that you don't care what your sister thinks, you don't care what your brother thinks, you don't care what anybody else in the room thinks, you don't care that you can give of $65,000 worth, maybe more, maybe less, but you can give such an amount because it doesn't matter how much it costs when you know his blood. One drop held such a higher value than all that money ever could. He's not upset with you. He's not even in a bad mood towards you. He loves you, he picked you, he chose you, he's never looked away from you, no matter how many times you've turned your back, he has never lost sight of you. He has never picked somebody else over you, he shows no favoritism, what he will do for me, he will do for you. The way he loves me, the way God will whisper love into my heart when I feel so down, when I feel like a loser, when I feel like I'm not going anywhere in this life, the way that he'll whisper love to me and say, Sophia, it's okay, I'm right here. You have me. Don't you understand that because you have me, you don't need anything else? Family could disappear, resources, finances could disappear, your job could end like that. And you have me, so therefore you have it all. And you know what that makes me? That makes me a grateful person. And so, just like we said at the very beginning, grateful people are giving people. I can only give out of what I know God has already given me. So don't think for another second, don't let the enemy get in for another second and try to convince you that you're unlovable or that you're unkind or that you're unbeautiful or whatever it may be. Don't let him have an inch where Jesus can take a mile in your heart and say, look how much I loved you. Look how much I took on that cross just for you. If it was nobody else and just you, I would have done it over and over and over again just to get your heart back. So, HSM, let's be grateful people that are giving people because our God gave his only begotten so that we would have a glimpse of the love that he has for us. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you, Jesus, for sending Jesus.
Oh my gosh, thank you, Father, for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for laying your life down. Thank you for giving up your reputation, Jesus. Thank you for giving up your resources, Jesus. Thank you for giving up your time. Almighty God, you gave it all so that all we have to do is receive it. And in response, God, you call our hearts into gratitude and into generosity. But Father, we know that without you, we are nothing. But in you, Father, we have and get to move and live and have our being in everything that you paid for with your blood and your body. So Jesus, we honor you tonight with our words. We honor you with our hearts. We receive the gift that you have given to us, which is your love. We pray all these things in the matchless name of our King Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Calvary HSM podcast. We would love if you could connect with us on social media using the handle at CalvaryHSM805 on Instagram or going to our website, calvarywestlake.org slash HSM. We always have fun things going on and we want you to be a part.